So nobody is expecting to walk into a classroom or even a work environment and have everything be 100% accessible and designed with inclusive design in mind, right? But we really want to encourage everybody to start thinking about one small shift that they can make. Hello, Montgomery County, and welcome to the OPL podcast from MCIU. My name is Brandon Langer, and I'm the Director of Innovation and Strategic Partnerships here at the Montgomery County Intermediate Unit. And this is the OPL podcast where we chat with ed leaders, thought leaders about this around the space of education, about all things education. And today I'm joined by two amazing project consultants from our Office of Organizational and Professional Learning who have been doing a lot of work on digital accessibility and digital content and technology and a lot of presentations all around the country. So I'm excited to be joined by Julie Ortlieb and Cassie Bruch, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Good morning. Well, it's morning here. I don't know where it is there. Um, I'm Julie Ortlieb, and I'm a consultant here in the Office of Organizational and Professional Development, and my work focuses heavily on special education, particularly meeting the needs of students with complex needs. Hi, I'm Cassie Bruch. I'm also a project consultant here in the Office of Organizational and Professional Learning. My work focuses around special education, instructional technology, and school improvement. Well, thank you both for joining me. You've do- both done podcasts on this in, in the past and um, a little bit more niche areas. Julie, we did a whole series. Remind us your series that we did. Do you remember? Literacy instruction for students with complex needs. Yes. Yep. And Cassie, we did a whole, was it this or was it a different topic last year, your mini series? We did SDIs in virtual environments. That's right. So we've been talking in this realm for a, for a while on various topics, but now we're pulling together the two of you because you've been presenting all over the place uh, with your design accessible digital content series and we've had a number of learn posts on our learning network in the past so we're going to kick off today with a general question in classrooms we've seen a huge surge in digital knowledge and technology use how do you think this shift has impacted education and what role has technology played in making content more accessible well this is really what led off the work that julie and i had started we were coming out of the pandemic and really seeing how many schools and classrooms were equipped with technology that they hadn't had before. And we're really starting to lean into using it more and more. However, as special ed teachers and with the special ed background that we have, we look at everything from an inclusive and accessible lens. And so we were seeing some of those features start to be used in classrooms. Um, We were really seeing teachers and students being more flexible and open to the options that were out there. But we don't know what we don't know. And if We start with all these tools and resources, but we don't always know where to start. And we were in such this mindset of getting out of the pandemic and Zoom and distance learning and everything going on. Now we had this opportunity where kids and classrooms were equipped with technology that they didn't have before because the resources weren't there. So now we had all these resources, but weren't quite sure how to leverage them or we were just using them here and there for different things. Um, So as we were visiting classrooms and spending time with teachers, there was this need for using it, but seeing how it could help our students and support the work that we were doing and helping all students have what they needed in front of them in the time that they needed it. And so we really started these conversations around, what are we doing about this? How do we take what we did for the last 20, 30 years of education, where it was you know, more worksheet-based and things on the whiteboard or the chalkboard and things like that, to now all these tools right in front of us. 
Yeah, and I think one of the positive outcomes of the pandemic from an educational teaching perspective is that we had some of these tools pre-pandemic, but it afforded us or required us rather to dive deeper and actually really get to know some of the things that we already had in our arsenal and, and go a little bit deeper there. So can we discuss examples of how technology like speech to text have not only accommodated disability, but have also improved the overall user experience for everyone? Well, I don't know about you, but I use accessibility features very frequently, if not every day. I use speech to text while driving. I voice type notes. I use optical character recognition or OCR, um, and I use that for search engine optimization. So if I want to search something specific or sc I can scan something and Google search it, find how much it costs or what it is. Um, you can also use OCR for translation or turning printed text into digital text. So this was really powerful for me when I was traveling abroad and I couldn't read the menu. So these features, these accessibility features are built into our technologies now much more globally and readily. And they were born out of accommodating a disability. But what we've learned is that these accessibility features benefit all of us at some time or another. Um, so even something as simple as having the option to have text enlarge benefits many people. Um, so now that the, these technologies are becoming so much more ingrained into our devices, they're right in our back pocket and on our students' devices and in on the platforms that we're using. So now's the time to learn about them and leverage them for everyday use. So for I think for both of you, how do you see educators integrating accessibility features into the teaching method? Um, because as you're saying, it's something that can maybe benefit everybody. Uh, or maybe what's an example of how they can leverage, you know, more inclusive design by, by doing so? I think educators are becoming more equipped to the idea of universal design for learning. Um, and they see the value of providing multiple means of representation. They pr are presenting information and content in more varied ways than ever before. And they're also uh, encouraging students to show knowledge in different ways and show their learning in different ways. Um, so the universal design for learning is very in line with inclusive design because when we provide different entry points into lessons, when we provide varied engagement strategies and multiple ways for students to communicate their understanding, we are actually leveraging inclusive design when we're doing that. The goal of inclusive design is to ensure that all learners can interact with content, communicate with relatively, relative ease and enjoy learning. And there are so many technologies out there. So I know that that can be overwhelming. We learn things every day and there's new features and new updates and everything changing all the time. So nobody's expecting to walk into a classroom or even a work environment and have everything be 100% accessible and designed with inclusive design in mind, right? But we really want to encourage everybody to start thinking about one small shift that they can make. Mm -hmm. If you're a Google school, have you learned what the accessibility features are already built into Google that either you just have to enable or teach your students how to use it? And just remembering that just because one student might need it to access the content, it can be beneficial for all students to learn how to use those accessibility features. Um, with Google, I love um, read and write text help. With Microsoft, there's Immersive Reader. Um, and there's so many features built into things that we already have access to. Sometimes we just don't know that they're there or we don't know how to turn them on. Um, and it's important not to get bogged down and get overwhelmed with how much is out there. And it's changing every day. Um, and that can be great, but that's also frustrating because we just want to make sure that we are 
teaching our students, encouraging our students to learn and problem solve. They can teach us how to use things. There's new features on our phones every time I turn around. And sometimes it's seeing somebody else use it. And then I learn from them and I can ask questions. And so it's really thinking about this with an open mind. Even such a small shift that I've made in the last two years is thinking about what fonts that I choose as I'm writing things. Because I was a lover of a certain font, but I've learned over time that that's not the most accessible font because it doesn't model proper character formation. So for especially our younger learners who are learning how to form their letters, we want the font to match that for them. Um, so Julie and I have really started to try to put some resources out there. As Brendan said, we have um, presented many different places, but we also have on our learning network at learn.mciu.org a whole series on small shifts that you can make in considering accessibility in your digital content. So such thing as Google Forms, to what fonts that you're choosing, to what colors to use in your documents. So we really want you to think about one small shift that you can start to make and implement in your everyday practice while being open to learn what new things are out there. And I think that's really in line with any sort of long-term investment strategy, whether you're talking finance, whether you're talking your health and working out and, and really committing to that. This is no different to me where that one shift is the for, is the is sometimes the hardest step to take. And then just committing consistently to, all right, now that you have that one down, add one more. That will compound over time and change the nature of your classroom over time to make it more accessible for everybody. I love what you said, Cassie. We can't, there's so much out, A, there's so many tools. Um, I'm sure we all have feature fatigue from some from time to time, just in the amount of, you know, it seems like every day I pop open Google and it tells me what's new with <laughs> Chrome. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to know this. No, I don't. You know, over time I will find which features work for me and my in my workflow. Same with this, with, with the features in these platforms that can help in, in your classroom to make them more accessible. And I love the patient approach the two of you have taken with this work. Uh, and I just want to highlight and shout out, you know, you're both going out again here for the CEC conference uh, is coming up again for, where, where is it this year? San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. So last year you were in Kentucky. Uh, this year you've been asked back to continue with this work. So congratulations to both of you there. We were at NJEA in the fall with an invite there. Um, so just really cool stuff. It's clear that there's a need uh, to focus on this moving forward. And we're going to do a round two where we dive a little bit more looking into the future of where this work is headed. So look forward to that conversation. But thank you both for joining me today. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. Uh, for those that may not have heard an episode of this before, this is the OPL podcast from MCIU. We do these regularly about a variety of topics and programs, services within the IU. We'd like to highlight, again, those visitors, those ed leaders, those thought leaders from around the space of education. Please give us a follow at MCIU Learns across all the social media networks. And we look forward to sharing with you on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.